0: 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, says this. This is Peter writing, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a pretty awesome piece of scripture if we were to just stay right there. But he goes on. There's more. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this that even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 8 he says this, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This morning as we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday, I want to speak to you from this subject, this hope we have, this hope we have, as we look at the hope that is offered in and through Jesus. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, change us, challenge us, guide us, strengthen us, do what it is that you desire to do in our hearts and our lives this morning. God, I pray that this moment, this experience that we have with you today, God, will shape us and change us forever. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and the church, shouted, Amen. amen. Uh, my wife is a Yelp snob, like straight up, it's okay, you can laugh at that, I I have permission, and she would agree with you, Uh, do I have any other Yelp snobs in the house, all all the Yelp snobs, there's like four of you, okay, cool, (laughs) because you are a rare breed, Um, but uh, she's a Yelp snob, Uh, we're kind of foodies, we we like to eat food, and, and good food, but how many of you would agree with me, there's just some moments in life where average food is okay, like, I just, want to go, I just want to get average food. I'm okay with an average burger. Like, I knew average. That was like my high school years. <laughs> I was average, right? I'm okay with average. But my wife, she's not okay with it. Like, it is a no-go zone in, in our home. And so I say, hey, we should go out to eat, and, and I'll pick a place, and she'll be like, let's look it up on Yelp. And I'm like, no, let's not. Because then I'm not going to get to eat what I want to eat. And so, let's look it up on Yelp. So she'll look it up, and she'll be like, three and a half stars. We're not going. And I'm like, babe, it's a half a star over three. That's better than average. We should be good, right? And she's like, no, it's not four stars. We're, we're, we're not going to, to, eat, to that, eat at that place. And so we'll go through this debate. And, uh, and, and I've kind of realized now, like I trust my wife explicitly now because every single time that she's picked above the three and a half stars, like the four star place, according to Yelp, we've been good. Like we've been solid. And this is her, this is her rationalization through the whole thing. She's like, I simply don't want to go eat food somewhere and be disappointed. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? Nobody does, right? We don't, like, have you ever, have you ever been around that person that, like, hypes up the restaurant? And then you go to the restaurant because they hyped it up, and you walk out of the restaurant, and you want to burn that restaurant down? (laughs) She's like, I don't know what they saw on that. Or, like, they hype up the movie, right? And they, they get you all pumped up to go see this movie, and you walk out of the movie, and you're like, the last two and a half hours of my life, I have completely lost. I'm now dumber for watching that movie. Like, Yelp is important. But how many of you wish, like me, that life had a Yelp app? I mean, could you imagine, like the things that we go through, if like you're going through something, you could quickly pull, I just need to Yelp this. I need to Yelp this trial that I'm going through. I need to Yelp this moment that I'm, like all the single ladies in the house, don't you wish you could just Yelp him? (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? Come on ladies, you know what I'm talking about, he's just gonna be like, stop, let me Yelp. Three stars, nope, uh uh-uh. No way, not happening. It'd be great if, if life came with a Yelp app. But how many of you know that it doesn't? And the reason that we would kind of, we could rationalize this idea is because many of us have faced the things that I've faced. And, and we, we could probably all come to the same place. We've all faced moments of what? Disappointment. Haven't we? Like hasn't, hasn't life offered all of us our fair share of disappointments? And the reason that we're disappointed, this is where disappointment comes from, the reason that we're disappointed is because we had hope in something. Disappointment comes when the hope that we have is broken down. And so we go through life placing our hope and our trust in things, we put our hope in people, we put our hope in politics, we put our hope in in faith, we put our hope in all of these different things. And at the end of the day, if you're like me, you quickly can come to the realization that all of those things at some point or another will will let you down. And it will disappoint you. Accept Jesus. Accept Jesus. And here's the thing that we need to understand about Resurrection Sunday. We might be like, well what's the what's the point? Of it all, what is the point of him, of him getting out of the grave if it was just to defeat death, hell, in the grave? And that would be good enough. But Peter tells us the reason that he got out of the grave is so that you and I can anchor ourselves not in a dead hope, but into a living hope, one we can rejoice in and find joy in and actually anchor our lives that no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, there is a person that we can anchor ourselves in. Because we've all been disappointed. We've all found ourselves hopeless, and if you don't hear anything else this this Easter weekend, if this is the one time that you come to the well and you never come back again, I hope that what reverberates in your heart and your head is this truth, that you have a living hope, and his name is Jesus. He got out of the grave so that you would have a living hope, not a dead hope. Not a dead hope. And this is important for us to understand because the world offers us moment after moment after moment after moment to be disappointed and the funny thing is is that we as people have a tendency to go back to the thing that disappoints us don't we we're disappointed and for a while we stay away from it but then we're lured back in we're lured back in and oh, maybe, 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 just maybe if I put my hope in, in that person again or, or, or that thing again or, or, or in this or my accolade or my fame or my money or my this or my that or my climbing of the corporate ladder or the way that I raised my family or the, the person if, that I married. If I put my hope in one of those things, maybe, just maybe, it, it won't disappoint me again, but then we come to the place where we realize that it does. It does. So how do we deal with Disappointment. I've come to find out we deal with disappointment by placing our hope in the one that will never disappoint. Well, like, how can you say that? That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big variable there. That's a, that's a pretty big statement, to, to put your faith, to put your hope in someone, something that will never disappoint. Watch what Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says. Probably one of my most favorite pieces of Scripture in all the Bible. It says this, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him... By faith, into this grace in which we stand. Oh, that's good news today. We're standing in grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. What? <laughs> you ever read something in the Bible before? You're like, that's just, no, dumb. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Well, you read it and you go, how, how can I re- like rejoice in my afflictions? Like life is going horrible. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to rejoice. but yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Why? Well, because we know, according to Romans, it says it, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I love it. This Easter, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you are coming from, and no matter what you are experiencing, you and I are offered a hope like no other. A living hope in Christ that is provided to us through Him. This is why we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is vital to our faith because it is the proof that our hope in Christ does not disappoint. See, that with God, dead things come back to life. Come on, somebody. Situations are changed. Destiny is aligned. Purpose is found. Grace is established. And our hope is secure. A hope that does not disappoint. And I'm here to tell you that today, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, can be a game changer for all of our lives. Because we simply come to the understanding, the realization, that I have a hope in Jesus that does not disappoint. This idea, if you dig into this idea of not disappointing, it literally means this, to not put us to shame. I love that. Have you, ever, have you ever felt like been disappointed before and then felt shamed and felt shameful because you were disappointed? It's this weird thing that disappointment has a tendency to do, and we have a, we have a tendency to self-reflect in that moment. We have a tendency to like look back at us and go, man, is, is this my fault? Is this my, like you disappointed me, but somehow it's my fault. Somehow this is about me. And the reality is the disappointments that we face in life, many times it's not about us. It's just simply because we put our hope in something that was bound to inevitably disappoint us but we get to place our hope in something that will never disappoint us. He will never disappoint you. And while you still may experience pain in life and frustration in life and go through these things, we're gonna talk about this in a minute, you will never be disappointed when our hope is the one who said, I will get up three days later. I will rise out of the grave. I will become your living hope. Your living hope. So that is the Jesus we celebrate this Easter. That is why we dance and clap and worship and wear capris. <laughs> Devon, it's, it's all weekend long brother. I love you man. I love you. It's because we, we have a living hope. Some of you didn't know that. You're like, why were capris invented? A Living hope, a living hope. So Peter in writing to us. In chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, he, he highlights some things for us that are, that are important for us to understand about what a living hope provides for us. And so that's what I want to dig into for the remainder of our time this morning before we dismiss. And so I want to look at four things, um, four truths, four things that this living hope Jesus provides for us that we, that we learn from this Resurrection Sunday. I need your help this morning, so come on, everybody shout number one. The first one is this, a future inheritance. A future inheritance. The living hope that we have in Jesus provides for us a future inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 4. It says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now I know, maybe maybe you were thinking that you are going to come in here this Easter and and hear the message of, of Easter. No matter where your faith is at, no matter how many times you've been in church or not been in church, maybe this is your first time, but every single one of us has heard the, the Easter story at one moment or another. It's actually probably one of the most famous stories that, that we hear about um, for generations. And so we come to church on Sunday, maybe for some of us it's the, it's the one or two times that you'll come to church uh, during the year, and it's like, okay, I just want to come, I want to hear the Easter story. I don't want to hear some dude talking about an inheritance, but I need us to know, I want us to know, because there's joy in this, that God offers us something beyond this moment. It's a future inheritance. It's not as the offer to, it's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us is humans. We care about the future. Don't we? We think about the future a lot. This is why we care about our politics. This is why we care about religion. This is why we care about the things that we care about because for many of us we're looking for security in something that tells us our future is, is safe. But the truth is, is when we turn on, and I'm not trying to make like political commentary, I don't care what side you sit on, where you're at with different things, but here's the thing. We all look at certain things in the world trying to make sure, trying to put things together so that I have a future, that I have something that I can can hope in. But if you're like me, I call myself an an optimistic realist. (laughs) My faith informs me to be optimistic, but the world around me informs me that, well, there's not a lot to be optimistic about. I've got to quickly turn and I've got to quickly adjust and, and realize there's got to be something more. If politics ain't going to do it for me, religion's not going to do it for me, relationships not going to do it, none of those things are going to provide a future for me, then I've got to look to the one who gives me a future. And he says that it's unfading, it's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's, sec- it's safe. It's eternity. And it's not a popular topic in church pulpits nowadays because we get weirded out by eternity. I mean, for many of us, there's debate that the world's flat or not still. I thought we got over that, but. (laughs) So eternity, that's a big one. That's a big leap for us. (laughs) The problem is, is that how many of you, maybe like me, I used to believe some things and, and still believe some things that in many ways, just because I believe something positive or negative, if it's true, it's true. No matter what. Some of us can doubt eternity right now. The problem is, is that whether we believe it or not, there's truth to it. The Bible's been trying to been take down for years. People' have been trying to destroy the word of this thing for millennia, and it still stands, proofed, authoritative, never being able to be disproven. There's more accounts of this more more, more critical understanding of this than there is even the Roman Empire, but we believe in the Roman Empire. The funny thing is, is that the resurrection itself is talked about in history, historical documents. We have a truth that we can anchor. But the problem is, is that for many of us, eternity is just weird. Come on, can we be honest in church today? The idea of eternity is hard for us to wrap our minds around. But here's what I've come to discover about God. If I can fit him into a box, he's no longer God. I just made him up. So God says, I've got to do some things to mess with him. I gotta, I gotta do a few things that make them have to have this thing called faith. Gotta have faith, faith, You know what I'm talking about, faith. The resurrection's that. This Sunday, resurrection Sunday, the first thing that we understand and need to learn from it, this living hope that we have in Christ is that we have a future inheritance. We have, we have eternity. Our future is secure. And it simply comes by putting our faith in him. That's the thing about it. Come on, everybody, Shot number two. And the second thing we have is a power not of our own. A power not of our own. First Peter chapter 3 verse 5 says you are being guarded. I love that word. Guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Come on, have you ever felt guarded before, protected? There's something special about it. This morning, whether you knew it or not, you walked into church with an entourage. God's power guarding you. I hope that my family feels guarded and protected by me. Like, I know that I'm not the biggest dude in the world, but I'll scrap. <laughs> you walk into my house, I will scrap, right? We'll do it. We'll go for it. You will defeat me, but I'll, you, will, you will be warned for it. <laughs> my family, I hope they have what I call a protected perspective of their life because dad's involved. I think that's the heart of every father, right? Right? heart of every father, even if you're not a dad in here, you could probably grab a hold of this, but the heart of every father is to know that those who are, like his immediate family and those surrounding him and, and with him, they feel protected. Um, my little girl, my, my middle child, Shiloh, she's almost seven years old. And we'll switch back and forth at the church as to who rides with who. Justice will ride with me sometimes, and then, and then uh, Shiloh, my daughter, she'll ride with me. We'll go, we'll go back and forth, and, and I love having my daughter um, ride with me home from church because she always builds my ego like that's why I, she's always my son Uh-uh. not at all no nope. what are you thinking nothing I'm like I understand <laughs> I get that <laughs> so one afternoon we're, we're, we're driving home from church we got out of the uh, the second service and going home for the break before the 5 and and uh, Shiloh hops in the car and she's looking uh, like up to the right the creative side and uh, Creative side of brand, she's looking out the window, kinda just like up there. And usually when like I have that look and I'm thinking to the right, there's literally nothing happening up here. <laughs> but I knew that there was something happening with her, and so she quickly turns, I was like, baby, what are you thinking? And she looks at me, and she goes, Are you the boss? <laughs> and I was like, Well, yes I am. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean, are you the boss? And she's like, Are you the boss of the church? And I was like, well, no, like, Jesus is the boss of the church, and then, and then I'm kind of the boss, like, what, like, your mom's the boss, and then, and then I'm there, and (laughs) just be honest about this. (laughs) And I I was like, well, what, 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 like, why are you asking? Yeah, I'm I'm the boss, I'm in, I'm in charge, and, uh, and she's like, that's good. And I was like, why, why is that good? And she's like, it's just good to know that we're protected. And I was like. She's coming from this perspective where she sees me as dad and she kind of like mixes everything, everything together, right? But she had this realization, she had this understanding of what it means to be protected. And she knows that dad's looking out for her and dad's looking out for the church and dad's trying to look out for all these different things. How much more is God in heaven looking out for us, wanting to protect us and guard us? And that's what Peter's saying, he's like, listen, you are guarded by God's power. You have an entourage around you. You have a power that's not of your own. And when you feel powerless, you can go to the power that God has for you. Because in life, you're gonna feel powerless. I'm gonna feel power, we are gonna feel powerless. But I can step in because of the resurrection. He showed that he has all power, sustaining power, power that's above any other power. And that power is found in the name of Jesus. I just simply shout Jesus. And that's that's the name. That's the name that devils shake at. That is the name that insecurity bows to. That is the name that fear drops off because of. We try, don't we? We scurry around trying to do it ourselves, and oh, I need to, I need to do what I need to do to like, make myself secure, and so I gotta, I gotta look good, and I gotta run the rat race, and I gotta do all these things, and it's like, no, no, stop. Insecurity goes away when you stand on the power of Jesus, but I'm fearful, and I don't know what's gonna happen next, and I don't know the future ahead of me. Jesus, he gives you power. I'm worried, I'm, I'm, I got this angst, like, anxiousness in me, and, and I'm full of anxiety, and it's like, stop, Jesus. And it's at that name that it drops away. It drops away. So this word guarded literally means to set a garrison around you. That's awesome. To set a garrison, have you ever had a garrison around you? I haven't, I just want one. (laughs) It's a garrison, and this garrison, the Roman garrisons, they were intimidating at best. So in the Bible, when we read about the crucifixion of Jesus, Many times we don't dig into some of the details. So when he was being crucified, the Praetorian guard that was around him, many times we can look at it and we think it was just a few Roman soldiers. But the way that they were set up is they're always together. So there is potential. Many scholars and theologians believe that when Jesus was being crucified, or like before that, when he was being beaten, this garrison was somewhere around 600 soldiers. That's insane. Could you imagine with their shields and with their spears, 600 of them? marching in. And 600 of them were going to go at Jesus. And they were going to stand and they were going to watch and they were going to cheer each other on. And this is the picture that Peter wants us to get. That you've got this garrison of power that is guarding you. That is protecting you. All that makes you put your shoulders up. You put your chest out. you like, yeah! <laughs> I'm guarded. I want you to get this picture. Because so many of us think that we're going through life with no power at all. No, no, you're going through life trying to do it in your own power. Stop. And let the garrison of his power guard you in Christ Jesus. Number three, everybody shout number three. The third one is this. He says, Peter writes that we can have a present joy. (laughs) Joy. Joy. You heard the song? How many of you are church kids, maybe when you're young? Got the joy, 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 joy. Like 15 of you. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Veggie Tales sang it once, it was good. Um, A present joy. He says this, 1 Peter 3, 6-7, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in, in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Joy. Come on, show of hands. little therapeutic moment in church this morning. Resurrection Sunday. How many of you would say that joy is missing in our world? It's missing. What we see is fleeting moments of happiness. Right? We get something new and I'm happy. We have a, we have an exhilarating moment. She finally says yes to going out on a date with you. You're happy. Right? I don't know what brings you happiness, but if you're like me, you quickly understand that happiness is fleeting. But joy is sustainable. And many of us struggle with this reality because we want to live happy lives. We haven't been called to live happy lives. We've been called to live joyful lives. And joyfulness isn't always being happy. Joyfulness is, a, is this staunch, resolute thing inside of us that does not move when happiness fades. Because it's anchored in what? A living hope. And when my joy is anchored in a living hope, I realize because of what he did on the cross and when he got out of the grave, I can have joy. I can worship no matter what. I can praise no matter what. I may be going through hell right now, but I know I'm going to make it to the other side because he is my living hope. He's my living hope. So I can have this joy Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd, cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so, in, so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Come on, how many of you know life's a race? And it's before us, and we've got to run it. And then this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, Keeping your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of your faith, for the joy, come on, we shout joy. joy. Come on, we shout Joy. Everybody shout joy like you're joyful? There it is. Joy, for the joy that was set before him. Watch what he did. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How insane is that? That Jesus saw the cross as joyful. And here's my thoughts on it I think in shapes and colors, that's how I think. And as I think about the joy that was set before him, I don't think Jesus saw the cross. I think he saw your name and my name. That's where the joy comes from. So he's marching to this place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. He doesn't see a cross. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's burying just wood on his back. It's me and you. So it's the joy that's set before him, so with resolute character and the resolve of a savior, he stepped forward, joyful. He stepped again, Joyful, And he let the ridicule and the hatred and the, and the despise and the shame that was thrown at him. He said, I don't care. For the joy set before me. For the Justin set before me. For the Seth set before me. For the Eric set before me. For the Kaisa set before me. For the Jason set before me. For the Aaron set before me. I will endure the cross and I will keep on walking. It was the joy that was set before him. He had a present joy, it was a joy from God, because how many of you know the cross wasn't happy? He wasn't like, yay, cross, but he had joy that was set before him. And so that's why the Bible says that he endured the cross. Have you ever realized this, that happiness doesn't give you the ability to endure, but joy gives you everything you need to endure. Some of you are like, how am I going to do this much longer? How am I going to keep on enduring? Because you're trying to endure through happiness, not joy. Happiness goes, you can't endure, but joy, the joy set before him. He was able to endure, and he offers us that joy. The grave that he got out of says, in Jesus, I have a living hope, and through him, I have a joy like no other. A joy like no other. And the last thing, number four is this. And then through this living hope, Jesus... We have a salvation based on faith. Nothing more and nothing less. Many of us, we're trying to earn. <laughs> we're trying to earn it, aren't we? We're trying to earn this gift. You ever tried to earn a gift before? I don't know if my kids were to come to me and try to earn what I want to freely give them many ways, I'd be offended, right? I want you to earn that. There's nothing you could do. Some of us are running around trying to earn it. If, if, if I'm good, if I just do good things long enough, then. But how many of you realize that we quickly fall short in good things? I don't always do good things. I want knucklehead sometimes, a lot of the times. We're trying, to, we're, trying to do, we're trying to earn this thing. You can't pick up this gift at Walmart. You're not gonna find this at Smith's, in the discount section. You're not gonna get it at the front of the store. at Harmon's, no good work that you do, no amount of accolade that you receive, no, no, how, no however big the ladder of the corporate place that you're climbing, it, it doesn't ma- None of that matters. What you build and what you, it doesn't matter. In the economy of the kingdom, it is Jesus, nothing more and nothing less. That's the mathematical equation. You and I, we need Jesus. That's it. And that's a mind bend because most of us are used to having to earn something. We're used to having to like, okay, if I do this, 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 and this, and then I get this. But then you have this Jesus who says, uh-uh, uh-uh, I just simply love you. And because I love you, I want to give this to you. I want you to have this gift that I've provided. And it through his death, burial, and resurrection. Easter Sunday tells us this. If you have not heard the simplicity of the gospel, it is this right now. I'm gonna take all our theology, all of our doctrine, all of our stuff that we make up, I'm gonna boil it down to just this. He furiously loves you. And that's all you need to know. But wait, no, no, that, that doesn't, how does that work out in the Greek? Stop. He loves you. No, 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 but how does that connect to like 1 Thessalonians and Leviticus and no, Stop. Jesus said it himself, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two things. Love God with everything that you are and love people. Haven't we made it complicated? Why? Because well, as humans we make love complicated. Jesus said, let me uncomplicate things for you. I'm going to die, and I'm going to get up again because I love you. And you simply just have to say yes to me. And that, my friends, is the story of the gospel. The simplicity, the clarity of the gospel is that he loves you. And that's why we keep it simple around here. That's why we don't put a lot of pageantry into everything that we do. We're not going to have unicorns in the lobby afterwards and all this other stuff. Why? Because I don't want to convolute the message of Easter that you are unequivocally, unashamedly, outrageously and furiously loved by God. And He gave everything for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. This is not religion, this is not about a church, this is about Jesus and you. And I wonder if this Easter Sunday, there may be some of us in here today that are saying, you know what? I've heard a lot of different things about Jesus, but I wanna know that one. And I wanna give us the opportunity to do that. So I'm gonna invite everybody just to stand to your feet in this moment. As we get ready to close. and.